Good morning, everyone. <laughs> Today we're reading from Srimad Bhagavatam. Aren't we fortunate? Um, maybe the board should be, you can turn it a little more this way, and it will be easier for the ladies to see this way. Yes. Okay. Nama Om Vishnu Padaya Krishna Prasthaya Bhutale Srimate Bhakti Vedanta Swamin Itinamine Namaste Saraswati Devi Gauravani Pracharine Nirvishesha Shunyavadi Pascha Shunyavadi Paschatyadeshatarine Vancha kalpatrubhyascha Kripasandubhya evacha Patitanam pavanebhyo Vaishnavebhyo namo He Krishna karana sindhu Dinabando jagatpate Gopesha gopikanta Radha kanta namostute Tapta kanchana gaurangi Radhe Vrindavaneshwari Vrishabhanu Sute Devi Pranamami Hari Priye Jai Shri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nityananda Shri Advaita Gadadhar Shri Vasari Gauravaktavinda Hare Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare 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 Ram Hare Rama 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 Hare 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 Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare 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 Rama Hare Rama 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 Hare Hare Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya I think we can give it more energy than that. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Narayanam namaskritya Naram chaiva narotamam Deving sarasvating yasam Tato jayamudiraye Nashta prayeshu abhadreshu Nityam bhagavata sevaya Bhagavati uttama shloke Bhakti bhavati naishtiki so we're reading from third canto Srimad Bhagavatam. This is chapter 27, verses 28 and 29. And I believe we're coming to the 
almost end of this chapter, yeah. Called Understanding Material Nature, spoken by none other than Sri Kapila Deva to his wonderful mother Devahuti, his very attentive mother. Uh, we're ending almost this chapter, um, bef which comes before uh, chapter 28, obviously, but it's titled Kapila's Instructions on the Execution of Devotional Service, in which, in which you may be happy to know if you don't know already, there's a wonderful description of a method of meditation on the form of the Lord that uh, goes on a pilgrimage from the lotus feet of the Lord up to the lotus face and the smile and ultimately the laughter of the Lord. It's very nice meditation. Pilgrimage, moving from the feet to the head. That's something to look forward to, but now we're hearing about material nature. But these verses are now about what happens when you overcome material nature. So we can chant, this is uh, the first of the two verses we have. Let's chant. Madbhakta Pratibhudharto Madbhakta Pratibhudharto Madprasadena Bhuyasa Mat prasadena bhuyasa Nishaya samsvasangstanam Nishaya samsvasangstanam Actually, this would be Nishrayasam, short A. Kaivalyakyam mat ashrayam. Kaivalyakyam mat ashrayam. Mat bhakta pratibudharto. Mat prasadena bhuyasa. Nishayasam svasangstanam Kaivalyakyam mat ashrayam There's a second verse, verse 29. Prapnoti hanjasadira svadrishat chinna sangshayaha Yatkatva na nivarteta yogi lingat vinirgame. Okay, word for word, 
Madhbhakta. What could that possibly mean? Uh, my devotees, some of you are looking, some of you are cheating, you're looking on your phones. <laughs> Pratibuddha Artha. Self-realized. Mm. Uh, the word pratibuddha uh, we had in verse 25, yatahi-apratibuddhasya, and then saeva-pratibuddhasya. So this is, uh, again, this idea of being asleep and being awake. And Prabhupada translates it. <clears throat> and artha, art, what does artha mean? Huh? <laughs> huh? <laughs> Pratibuddha artha, what does artha mean? Can mean wealth, yes. What else can it mean? Any no? Hmm? Um, um, um. Devotees with phones start looking it up. Huh? Huh? Traitor. Treasure. Oh. <laughs> well, yes, but that's kind of the same as wealth. It also means... It also means value. Uh, it can mean purpose. So having the purpose of being awake could be a way of translating pratibuddha artha. So we want to be awake, right? Jeev Jago. <laughs> uh, so, um, but Prabhupada translates it as self-realized. Hmm. Um, okay, matprasadena. Okay, what's that going to mean? Without looking at your phones? <laughs> yes, Subha. Huh? My mercy, you're very close. Uh, you're also close. Now put the two together with my mercy, exactly. <laughs> or Prabhupada says, by my causeless mercy. <laughs> All right, then, Bhūyasa. Prabhupada translates as unlimited. Um, so, yeah, matprasadi nabhūyasa could mean uh, by my unlimited mercy. Nishayasam, the ultimate perfectional goal. Svasangstanam, his abode. Kaivalya Akyam, Akyam. So, um, Akyam has the sense, has the meaning 
called or named? Um, think of an example. So Kaivalya Akyam, Prabhupada translates as called Kaivalya. Uh, so what is Kaivalya? Well, we can discuss, Prabhupada discusses in the purport. Matashrayam. What could this mean? Mm -hmm. Yes, my shelter. Prabhupada translates, under my protection. Prapnoti, this goes into the second uh, of the two verses. Prapnoti attains. Iha, anyone know this word? Iha. Hmm? Yes, uh, well. Yes, very good. This world, in this world, in this life, he translates here also. Anjasa, truly. Um, Unjust can mean straight, it can mean quick, straightforward, uh, just direct, going to the goal. Dira, steady. Svadrisha, by knowledge of the self. Chinnasangshaya, Okay, what does sangshaya mean? Anyone know? Doubt, yes. And chinna sangshaya. Yeah, chinna, literally cutting, yes. Uh, or cut. Um, freed from doubts, Prabhupada translates. Yet to that abode. <laughs> How does yat mean to that abode? Well, yat is um, it's, it's a multi-purpose word. <laughs> uh, it's like tat, yat and tat. And uh, here uh, it may mean, but it's the correlative, so to which, something like that, referring to... Um, yeah, that'll be clarified. Okay, gatva, having gone. Na, never. Nivarteta, comes back. Yogi, what's that mean? What's yogi mean? Yogi. <laughs> okay. Prabhupada translates, the mystic devotee. Yeah, the mystic yogi. Lingat, from the subtle and gross material bodies. Uh, the word linga uh, means many things. One of them is, it can be a, a sign or a mark, like making a mark, uh, this, this is one possibility. And another meaning I found very interesting is that which has a beginning and therefore 
has an end. So in other words, the body. <laughs> and here it's, uh, Prabhupada translates, from the subtle and gross material bodies. It's quite possible that he takes this from one of the commentaries. Uh, and the final word, vinirgame, after departing. Uh, so, and this last uh, word, uh, you don't have it written to see, but it has a kind of double prefix, and then the verbal root would be gum, and gum means to go. Uh, this is basically to uh, to leave, to go away, like that. Okay, translation and purport by His Divine Grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami. Srila Prabhupada Ki Jai. Translation, my, de my devotee, so this is Kapila Dev speaking, my devotee actually becomes self-realized by my unlimited, causeless mercy. And thus, when freed from all doubts, he steadily progresses toward his destined abode, which is directly under the protection of my spiritual energy of unadulterated bliss. That is the ultimate perfectional goal of the living entity. After giving up the present material body, the mystic devotee goes to that transcendental abode and never comes back. All right, purport. It's a slightly longer purport. All right. Actual self-realization. Actual. Self-realization means becoming a pure devotee of the Lord. The existence of a devotee implies the function of devotion and the object of devotion. What's he talking about here? <laughs> Prabhupada is um, speaking about devotional service in slightly abstract terms, but he wants to emphasize that there, it means there's two, actually three principles. There's the devotee, there's the Lord, and there is the practice of devotion. Self-realization ultimately means to understand the personality of Godhead and the living entity. Uh, okay, self-realization ultimately means to understand the personality of Godhead and the living entities, to know the individual self and the reciprocal exchanges of loving service between the Supreme Personality of Godhead and the living entity is real self-realization. So he's going to make a distinction between real and not-so-real <laughs> self-realization. And here he's going to talk about the less than perfected self-realization. This cannot be attained 
by the impersonalists or other transcendentalists. And when he says other transcendentalists, you may wonder, well, what other kind of transcendentalists could there be? Occasionally, Srila Prabhupada will uh, explain that all sorts of yogis, including karma yogis, karma jnana uh, yogis, dhyana yogis, and whatever else yogi you want to designate, they're all transcendentalists. They're all doing yoga. But here he's saying this cannot be attained by impersonalists or other transcendentalists. They cannot understand the science of devotional service. Devotional service. And here I think science, in this context he's saying, it's recognizing that there are these three elements. There's God, there's the devotee, and there's the service. Simple. Devotional service is revealed to the pure devotee by the unlimited causeless mercy of the Lord. All right, so here he's referring specifically to the verse. This is especially spoken of here by the Lord, mat prasadena, by my special grace. And here is the very simple grammatical uh, aspect. You can recognize this ena, uh, prasad ena, that ending is what would in English be called the instrumental case of a noun. Uh, and it, it's translated here by, so by prasada, mat prasad ena. Mat prasada would mean my mercy, mat prasadena, by my mercy, right? Or by my grace. But here Prabhupada says, by my special grace. Oh, <laughs> uh, not just grace, but special grace. Um, everyone, sometimes Prabhupada explains, everyone is getting God's grace. Whether you know it, whether you don't know it, if you're alive, you're existing and you're, you know, receiving God's grace in so, so many ways. Uh, just being able to live. But here, this is special grace. And that special could also be implied with the word buyasa. And buyasa, again, grammatic point, with apologies. Uh, this is, again, instrumental. And you may say, well, why is it not buyasena? Well, because uh, it has a different form uh, because of uh, what is called the stem form of a word. In any case, um, it becomes, it would be buyas and then it becomes buyasa. And uh, there's going to be another instrumental similar, svadrisha is going to be instrumental. But in this case, the point is ma prasadena buyasa. These go together. So it's unlimited mercy of the Lord. By my unlimited mercy. Unlimited, and Prabhupada says it's causeless mercy. Unlimited, causeless, special mercy or grace. 
This is also confirmed in Bhagavad Gita. Only those who engage in devotional service with love and faith receive the necessary intelligence from the Supreme Personality of Godhead so that gradually and progressively they can advance to the abode of the Personality of Godhead. Can anyone think of what verse Prabhupada might be referring to here? It's a very famous one. Hmm? Mm. No, that's specifically about receiving intelligence. Hmm? Yes, Bhagavad Gita. <laughs> Tenth chapter, we're getting there. Ten, ten. Hmm? Now we got it. Tesham satata yuktanam bhajatam priti purvakam because someone is offering worship which is priti purva, which is favorable. Dadami, Krishna says, I give. What does he give? Buddhi yogam. He gives the yoga of being awake. <laughs> the yoga of intelligence. So I think that's what Prabhupada is referring to here. Okay, now he's going to explain the word nishreyasa. Nishreyasa means the ultimate destination. Svasangstana, again from the verse, indicates that the impersonalists have no particular place to stay. Uh, Prabhupada would sometimes give the example of flying in a spaceship. You can you know, be floating in outer space going nowhere. Uh, you're not going to be happy uh, going nowhere. You, know, not, you want to land somewhere. Um, and I think when the, the first Sputnik... Huh, when it went up and circled the earth, uh, the message from the, uh, from the pilot was, yeah, that, you know, he's looking down to see his home, right? <laughs> he's, he's anxious to get back. Hmm? Whatever it was. <laughs> Whatever. Okay. Uh, okay. The impersonalists sacrifice their individuality so that the living spark can merge into the impersonal effulgence emanating from the transcendental body of the Lord. But the devotee has a specific abode. So that's interesting. Prabhupada refers to sacrificing one's individual. Anybody here want to sacrifice your individuality? Anybody? Don't, don't. If you do, it's okay. <laughs> we won't, uh, we won't criticize. You know, it's a free, 
world. We can choose to sacrifice our individuality. Nobody really wants to do that, but some apparently do want to do that. The planets, and now Prabhupada is going to make elaborate on this distinction uh, of uh, effulgence and the planets in the effulgence. The planets rest in the sunshine, but the sunshine itself has no particular resting place. When one reaches a particular planet, then he has a resting place. The spiritual sky, which is known as Kaivalya. Okay, here comes the word that uh, was not translated in the word for word. The spiritual sky, which is known as Kaivalya, is simply blissful light on all sides. And it is under the protection of the Supreme Personality of God. Okay, let's go back to that word Kaivalya. It was Kaivalya Kim called Kaivalya. But now the plot thickens. In case you were dozing off, now you'll get some exciting uh, news because it's more, it's a little complicated. Kaivalya kyam mat ashrayam. What was mat ashrayam? What did that mean? Yeah, my shelter. Um, and so, wait, I thought here Prabhupada is saying Kaivalya is, is that uh, effulgence. And now he's saying the effulgence is mat ashrayam, and he's going to say that's the shelter the yogis go to. Hmm. Doesn't seem he wants to say that. Why? Because svasangstanam, he's saying it's my own standing place, literally. Uh, Sangstanam. Uh, when the deity is installed, that is called prana pratishta. That sta in there is getting set in a place. So what's going on? Another meaning of kaivalya, Prabhupada doesn't mention here, or you can say a more general meaning, comes from the word kevala. And kevala just means only exclusively only, but kaivalya makes that abstract and it gives it the sense of being alone, being completely isolated. And in the Yoga Sutras of Patanjali, uh, the final of the four chapters, it's very much glorifying kaivalya. It's this idea that the perfection of yoga is to become totally isolated, which doesn't sound very attractive to devotees. But it turns out that Kaivalya in the Bhagavatam <laughs> has a different meaning. It comes up also in the 11th canto. Kaivalya, it's okay. We can, <laughs> we can aspire for Kaivalya because it's it's... Isolation, you could say, from uh, material energy from, and so on. All right. Um, in the impersonal effulgence, there are spiritual planets which are known as Vaikuntas, chief of which is? Krishna Loka. Some devotees are elevated 
to the Vaikuntha planets and some are elevated to the planet Krishna Loka, according to the desire of the particular devotee. He, or we can add she, is offered a particular abode which is known as Svasangstana, his desired destination. Oh, see now the plot thickens again because what he's saying here is Sva. Sva means own, one's own. So it's not the Lord's own abode, it's the own place of the yogi, of Madhbhakta, of uh, the one who is described here, the Dira. So that's interesting. By the grace of the Lord, the self-realized devotee engaged in devotional service understands his destination even while in the material body. He therefore performs his devotional activities steadily, without doubting, and after quitting his material body, he at once reaches the destination for which he has prepared himself. After reaching that abode, he never comes back to this material world. Okay, we've, um, we've, we're familiar with this promise of Krishna. I may get back to this in a moment, but the rest of the purport, the words lingat vinirgame, which are used here, mean, quote, after being freed from the two kinds of material bodies, subtle and gross. The subtle body is made of mind, intelligence, false ego, and contaminated consciousness. And the gross body is made of five elements, earth, water, fire, air, and ether. When one is transferred to the spiritual world, he gives up both the subtle and gross bodies of this material world. Hearing this, we may think, oh no, <laughs> all right, maybe I can give up my gross body, but do I have to give up my subtle body as well? Hmm. No worries. You'll get a body that's much nicer. <laughs> he enters the spiritual sky in his pure spiritual body and is stationed in one of the spiritual planets. Stationed. It's interesting. If you read Prabhupada's purports, carefully in English language. Sometimes he uses very interesting words and phrases. Now I just notice stationed in the spiritual planets, which rings with me because I grew up in a military family. My father was in the military and he would always be stationed at a particular place. Um, and that place was changing <laughs> fairly frequently. Uh, but that was the term the military used. You know, the, the officer was stationed at such and such place. Can be stationed in one of the spiritual planets. Although the impersonalists also reach that spiritual sky after giving up the subtle and gross material bodies, they are not placed in the spiritual planets. 
as they desire, they are allowed to merge in the spiritual effulgence emanating from the transcendental body of the Lord. Of course, elsewhere, it's explained in the Bhagavatam, they can't stay there. Aruhya kritrena param padam tata patantyadha anadrita yushmad angraya patanti, after some time they fall. The word sva sangstanam he's coming back to this word to say, is also very significant. As a living entity prepares himself, so he attains his abode. The impersonal Brahman effulgence is offered to the impersonalist, but those who want to associate with the Supreme Personality of Godhead in his transcendental form as Narayana in the Vaikuntas or with Krishna in Krishna Loka, go to those abodes, wherefrom they never return. Okay, that's the end of the purport. Uh, and I wanted to return to the word return. Confirmed. Uh, because I was, I was struck um, by the form of this word. Uh, it's, we find it in the Bhagavad Gita, Nivartante, but here it's nivarteta. Huh? What is that, nivarteta? Well, it turns out that that's our good friend, the vidhi lean form, <laughs> the optative form. I talked about this some days ago, but I thought there's no harm in review because you may not remember and I may not remember so we use some notes that the vidhi lean form of a, of a verb can have six different shades of meaning, depending generally on the context. And the one which we will be most familiar with is called vidhi. Vidhi, mm, we know about vidhi uh, because it's about rules. And we know of one very important rule, which is to always remember Vishnu, right? Smartavya satatam Vishnu. And what's the rule that goes with that? The other rule? Never forget. But it turns out that that second one is technically... Well, it's vidi, but it's also something else. Do you know what else it is? It's, hmm? It's nishedha. It's what you should not do. <laughs> so vidhi is usually what you should do, and nishedha, what not to do. And uh, I'm always amused in Mayapur, you'll see signs in the... Um, in the parks around Shrida Mayapur of uh, Iskand Chandradoya Mand Mandir, um, Shri Mayapur Chandradoya Mandir, um, 
They're written in Bengali script, but they say, Dumpan Nished, <laughs> smoking forbidden. <laughs> Dumpan, uh, drinking smoke, literally. <laughs> no smoke drinking allowed. <laughs> Dumpan Nished. <laughs> okay. So, Vidhi Nished, Smartavyasatatam Vishnur. Vismartavyo Najatuchit. Sarve vidhi nishedha suretayor eva kinkara, the kinkara, the servant of all the other vidhis and nishedas, is to always remember Vishnu, never forget Vishnu. Right. So we're, fam we're familiar with this uh, vidhi aspect of vidhi lean uh, verbs, and it has a sense essentially of a command, do it. Um, what to do? Well, there's many things that are given, especially in Shastra, um, in Smarta, Smriti Shastra, the Hari Bhakti Vilas is full of vid, vidhi lean. But uh, now here's where it, maybe I won't go through all of them, but the one I wanted to mention in this context because it's not a command. Um, and one way we know that it's not a command is it's negative, na nivarteta. But that's also strange. It could be strange. Uh, um, okay, not, so we can't say, you shall not return. That doesn't sound quite right. It's like ordering, don't return. <laughs> it, it, I mean, maybe it could be that, but uh, the the whole flavor of the verse doesn't it doesn't seem to fit that. So there's another uh, aspect of this form, and that is what is called amantran, amantrana, uh, which has the sense of invitation invitation. This could be interesting uh, in this context, if we think about it. it um, because it's again negative, so how could, how might this make sense? Well, here's my uh, reflection. I don't want to use the word speculation, because <laughs> if I do, then everyone will run away. It's my reflection, okay. <laughs> uh, it's like saying, there is no need to return. There's no need. You could return if you wanted to, but there's no need. What would be an example uh, in our ordinary language? There's no need to... Um, you know, if if someone was okay, I don't know if this is appropriate. Uh, there, there's maybe maybe uh, someone forgot to um, offer one of the preparations that was prepared for Lord Nrsinghadev, but forgot to put it on the plate. And later we go, oh no, I forgot to put the doll or something like that. Um, someone could say, well, that's a terrible thing. We should 
we should call Govinda Dev Prabhu. We should call him up and tell him what happened. You know, we're going to be truthful and, you know, confess our mistake or something. But he might say, thank you, but there's no need to call me for just such a thing. <laughs> I'm, I'm busy with, you know, other engagements. And you can tell me when I get back, maybe, but you don't have to call me. So it's something like that. Nanivarteta, there's no need to return. You'll never have to return. If you want to return, you can. <laughs> I think this gives a little, little opening for uh, this understanding that Srila Prabhupada would say many times, that uh, somehow or other one uh, revolts, one neglects the Lord and then falls to this world from the spiritual world. So that's my, um, that's my I'm calling it a reflection. Um, maybe I should stop there and see if there are any further reflections on this verse. Mad Bhakta. Oh, I wanted to just say one more thing. Looking again at the Sanskrit. There's um, the person being described, because Kapila Dev is throughout, he's describing the yogi. Uh, the emphasis here is very much on yogi, the yoga, the practice of yoga, which is to say devotional yoga. And who does this practice? It's a yogi. Um, this yogi is um, referred to by, I think I counted four different, um, different attributes. So first is Madhbhakta, this yogi is my devotee. Pratibhudharta, this yogi is um, having the aim, the purpose of being awake. Uh, this yogi is, what else? Is dira, that's it. And dira, we know, we know this word. Where do we know this word from? Bhagavad Gita, 2.13, Dehinosmin, Yata Dehe, Komaram, Yovanamjara, Tata, Tehantara Praptir, Dhiras Tatrana Muhyati. The Dira uh, is not bewildered, Muhyati. Um, so, okay, and, and yogi. So we have a yogi who is dira, who is pratibhudharta, and who is madbhakta. And I happened to find um, earlier uh, this morning that um, Devahuti is referred to as uh, having the characteristics of yoga specifically Lakshmi, Lakshmiya, uh, which in the translation are the, 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 the powers, the perfections of yoga. So here is Kapila Dev. Kapila Dev, as the Lord, we can say is Yogeshwara. And Yogeshwara, he is uh, speaking to 
a yogini, <laughs> we may want to say. And uh, the husband of Devahuti, what is his name? Kardama. Kardama is referred to in that same verse as yogi. So there's lots of yoga and yogis going on here. <laughs> uh, but one more interesting uh, sort of uh, echo, I think we could say, is in the last word, vinirgame. I won't look for it just now, but uh, the same word similarly, I mean, it's the same, essentially the same word, we find in uh, the beginning of, near the beginning of the Rasa Leela, the, the gopis are rushing off to Krishna, but some of them they cannot. They're prevented from doing so. They have to stay home uh, by their husbands. And so what do they do? They close their eyes and engage in deep meditation on the Lord. And the word vinirgame, uh, they are not allowed to leave home. So this is the Bhagavatam. It's, uh, it's, um, it's an echo chamber. <laughs> if you go a little carefully into the, uh, into the, into the words and uh, see how they connect and how they mean what they mean. It's very wonderful. Hare Krishna. Who had their hand up first? <laughs> Ananda Krishna. My question is in connection to the Kaivalya. Uh -huh. So we learn always, as you also quoted the verse from the 10th canto, this Aruya Krishna Parangpatangata, that. But could it be also. Can it be also be understood, but sometimes it sounds like that, that when Prabhupada says that this pa Parangpadam is actually kind of still in the material world, that someone who follows the impersonal path, he can come to some kind of liberation, mm -hmm. and from there he can fall because Prabhupada says, oh, then they open hospitals and all that. Mm -hmm. And uh, because um, Sayuchya is one of the five kinds of Mukti, so mm -hmm. can it be understood as a permanent situation? But then, as you also said, that we could go back also from the spiritual world, from a personal liberation. So is it also then optional or is it a must? So optional it is for personal liberation, but is it then for impersonal liberation uh, optional or, the, or a... Well, whether it's optional for impersonal liberation to fall back or... Yes. Yeah. yes, yes, and to understand in the, in the complete context of um, that sometimes it seems to me that Prabhupada means impersonal liberation still in the material world. Some yogi goes to Himalaya, he is absorbed in his meditation, mm -hmm. but then he comes down and does something material because he wasn't satisfied. Yeah. Well, the spiritual skies and, and the material sky <laughs> have, have a certain... Um, they have, you know, layers, and there's, there's like the stratosphere, uh, so that sometimes in the terminology we have, uh, the one may sort of uh, identify into the other. So also Brahma Loka, uh, sometimes called Satya Loka, gets referred to as more or less spirit, almost practically spiritual. 
Vaikuntha, the word Vaikuntha, Bhakti Vinodhakur sometimes says that Krishna Loka is part of Vaikuntha, it's within. And sometimes it's said there's Vaikuntha and then there's Goloka, there's Krishna Loka. So the geography descriptions uh, may vary. And whether we identify whether we identify, as Prabhupada, you mentioned sometimes, refers to it as material, is making a certain emphasis. And that emphasis, in this case, um, when we make this distinction material-spiritual, what is it? It's between whether there is devotion or not devotion to the Lord, whether it's directed to the Lord or not. That's essentially the distinction the line of distinction. And if we make that the line of distinction, then it's material. And then if we speak geographically, <laughs> we may say it's part of this world. And then the question is um, whether, whether there is an option there. Uh, can one, s well, the general answer for those sorts of questions is uh, we wouldn't want to say it's not possible, so it's possible um, if one is really determined. But it's an interesting question because for how long, if you can, um, you know, think about eternity, <laughs> does someone really, is it possible for a living entity to eternally, uh, that means that's a long time, uh, remain essentially floating without any position. It's, it would seem unlikely. And you can even talk about this in terms of probability, mathematical probability. Uh, um, and we were, there was a discussion online <laughs> about this uh, mathematically, you can speak of probability zero, uh, what is it, uh, how do they express it? It is greater than zero. So a probability that is greater than zero is can be a very, very, very small probability, but still be possible. Now, the possibility of someone staying eternally and being determined, I'm staying here. <laughs> how, how great is that probability? That is hard to imagine. Why? Because of the identity of the soul, we understand from Chaitanya Charitamrita, Jivar Swarupa Hoy, the Swarupa of the Jiva, is what? Krishna Nityadas is to be eternal servant. One might want to uh, imagine a case where by the unlimited grace of the Lord, uh, a devotee says, no, Lord, I really, really want to stay Kaivalya without any, um, any connection. I want to be isolated. I really don't like to be so please let me serve you as an example <laughs> of total isolation. 
then you could imagine he's in his position as a servant of the Lord in sort of the extreme end of Shantarasa, right? Because Shanta, uh, we understand, um, well, it seems to have a whole uh, spectrum of uh, application, but the ext one extreme end uh, would be uh, a sort of ultimate distance from the Lord, a, a state of total isolation. But if it's a rasa, then it has to, there has to be some relation. But the relation in this case would be, I'm serving the Lord by His grace to be an example, perhaps, of one who is in isolation. It's still hard, I don't know, it's hard for me to imagine. Anyone? Can you imagine? Being, you can imagine, Ramana. No, I just thought maybe somebody would say, I want to serve um, a science by staying isolated on the North Pole. And right. I serve as, as an example that it's possible. <laughs> yeah. But uh, there's no relationship, no, no, no real service actually, except yeah. the, to the, be the statement... Yeah, yeah, so it could be something like that. There is someone who is living perpetually on the North Pole. Science demonstrates it's possible. Yeah. Yes, Bashar. How is that okay? <laughs> yes. Thank you, Maharaj, for the nice lecture. Um, just reading the purport. <laughs> yeah, it's elaborate. actually a question about that, about the, you know, the, the way you, uh, you, uh, you held this lecture makes the question comes to my mind, you know, I, mm. my understanding was or is that understanding the Bhagavatam and relishing it is mainly dependent on the sincerity of the reader. Mm. But, uh, you know, seeing this system and also observing other great Vaishnavas, it seems that uh, it's also kind of dependent on understanding the terminology and the language of Sanskrit. So, how how relevant is it? You think that we yeah we understand Sanskrit in order to really oh. go deep in the verse? <laughs> okay, yeah, that's. Uh, I would say we can say two things. Let's start with uh, the story of the unnamed Brahman in the Chaitanya Charitamrita, I believe it's Madhyalila chapter 15, possibly. Lord Chaitanya meets this Brahman at Sri Rangam, who has been instructed by his guru to read Bhagavad Gita every day. And he does so very faithfully. But the other Brahmins in Sri Rangam are, excuse me, are laughing at him. And why are they laughing? Because he's not much of a Sanskritist. He doesn't, it's not clear how much he knows, but the suggestion seems to be practically doesn't know what he's reading. He's just reading it. And, but, Lord Chaitanya sees that he is, there are tears in his eyes. He's, he's, he is seriously uh, appreciating the Bhagavad Gita, and he uh, he recognizes him as a 
highly advanced because he knows the purpose of the Bhagavad Gita. Because when he talks to him, uh, this this uh, Brahman says, "I you know I don't know <laughs> much of what I'm reading, but I just meditate on Krishna and Arjuna on the battlefield, and it just you know it just touches my heart that Lord Krishna is so kindly." Uh, the, the Lord himself is personally speaking uh, this teaching to Arjuna. It just, it really uh, touches me. And so Mahaprabhu says, you actually understand the Bhagavad Gita, all these other Brahmins, you know. Uh, they're so proud of their Sanskrit knowledge or whatever, but you've, you've gotten the point. Okay, that's, again, if we think of a spectrum, that's on one end. The Brahmins, in this example, who may know the Sanskrit very well, uh, they, we don't have to say that they are like the Brahmins in Krishna Leela, whose wives understand Krishna and therefore go to him and bring him an offering. Those Brahmins later, they lament, they regret, oh, we're so foolish. Um, we don't know with the, these Brahmins, with the Bhagavad Gita. But what we can say is that uh, Srila Prabhupada went to the effort in his books to give us word-for-word -word translations along with the transcription uh, and then the trans what do I want to say, transliteration and then the word-for-word -word translation purport, um, he gave us the whole package. And why not take advantage uh, and pay attention to this, uh, the word-for-word -word and see if there's something there that um, gives us some something to appreciate. Um, and then there's a further step, which is you start learning some, you know, Sanskrit grammar. And it's not that, you know, when I first, uh, quite early after I joined the devotees, uh, I was maybe, I don't know, asking about expressing some interest to learn Sanskrit. And the answer I got was, forget it. Because to learn Sanskrit, you need to stop. You'd have to stop your devotional service and just study Sanskrit for 12 years. That was what we were told. You'd have to just study grammar, you know, the uh, Panini's grammar, and you'd memorize the sutras, and, and then... <laughs> But even after 12 years of, of learning grammar, you won't understand <laughs> because it's all too theoretical. Uh, it's not so difficult. Uh, you can learn basics of Sanskrit grammar with a little effort. And there's more and more facility for learning that. Several years ago, one German devotee um, Hari Venu, I think was his name. I haven't seen him in years. He he published he pr produced three volumes using 
the Bhagavad Gita as the basis for learning basic Sanskrit because Bhagavad Gita mostly is very uh, simple, simple Sanskrit. So um, I found when I started some formal, I mean, I won't go into how I uh, was learning um, in school, in university. It was, first year was, uh, it was a challenge. But anyway, uh, I very soon I started appreciating more Bhagavad Gita. I found, oh, the, and, and it helps also, I think, to learn verses because you understand more, you know, the, the technology of the verse, how it's, how it's working. You're not just parroting, you're seeing. Uh, and um, devotees, I know a few who have gone deeply into grammar using, not panini, but using uh, Harinam Amrita Vyakarana of Srila Jiva Goswami, which he specifically wrote for devotees who, he says in the beginning, who... Uh, find the classical grammar of Panini too dry. <laughs> he created his own grammar, which has been translated um, into English. There, it's a thick two, two thick volumes. It's available now. Uh, translated by, I think, Matyavatar. Um, very well done, with elaborate explanations. Very... If I had nothing else to do, I would just, I would sit down for 12 years <laughs> and study that. But it's very nectarian uh, from the first verse, uh, from the first sutra, because it's names, it's all done, it's built up uh, using names of uh, the Lord, names of Vishnu, names of Narayana. Just the one example I always somehow remember, because I once was... Uh, learning uh, for a few days, that um, you have two vowels, uh, types of vowels, uh, the short and the long vowels. We all know short A, long A, uh, for example. So Jiva Goswami puts all of the vowels that are short into one category, and he calls them vamana. Vamana is short and he calls the vowels which are long, guess what? Trivikrama. Trivikrama is Vamana when he became so big. <laughs> so like that, he has a certain logic uh, that helps. It's all meant to help uh, to remember. It's for that function. Yeah, so I think there's no harm for those who are inclined. For those who are not inclined, don't worry about it. Just read and with your sincerity, knowing whatever your language is, whether it's English or German or Russian or uh, or Guantonghua or Putonghua, uh, you can relish also in that, in that way. Is that okay? Yes, Akila, microphone.
purport to the Prabhupada accounts, mind, intelligence, false ego, and impure ego, polluted ego, something. Can you... Um, Contaminate right. consciousness. Yeah. consciousness. Um, where was that? It's here somewhere. When you look for it, you never find it. I, I always thought that false ego was already impure consciousness. Yeah, I wondered about that too. And of course, now I don't find it. But... Um, Elsewhere, and where I found that, I won't be able to say either, that Mahatattva is contaminated consciousness. So there you go. Now, how that's going to determine, how that's going to change our approach to devotional service today on Wednesday, the, what's the date today? 14th of September, is it September? 2022. I thought it was 2019. So I don't know how this is going to affect us, but it could. <laughs> um, but yeah, these are technical points indeed. So I want to wish you all a wonderful day today as we progress back home, back to Godhead, to that point where lingat vinir game, we can leave behind not only this physical but also the subtle body and go back home, back to Godhead. Does that sound like a good idea? Trantarashimad Bhagavatam ki jai. Anantakoti Vaishnaminda ki jai. Gaur Premanam.